just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I am Dr. Tammy West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. So this past Friday, I was walking Roxy, my other older dog who you don't see me post about as much. Sorry, she doesn't really do a whole lot at this point in her life, but she is sweet and adorable. So I was walking her in the rain and I love the sound of rain on my umbrella. So I grabbed my phone and I recorded it and I posted it on Facebook with the caption, nature, the original white noise slash nature sound download. And then it occurred to me, it has been a really long time since I've written anything about the importance of our senses when it comes to mental and emotional well-being. And it's so important to me. It has been so important to me in my life, so much so that I even put two chapters about it in my first book. So I cannot believe it's been forever since I've written about it. And here's why it's so important. When you have a response to an event, like you're upset about something, you're worried about something, you're angry, you're sad, it all stems from some event that you took in through your senses. You saw something or you heard something primarily, it's usually those two. So, and even if you're having a memory, it originated with something that came in through your eyes and your ears. So it makes sense, I think, doesn't it? That we should pay more attention to what we allow in through those two senses primarily, and also talk a little bit about uh, smell, taste, and touch. So that's what we're going to do today. Let's start off with our eyeballs. So I travel often enough that I have a hotel routine. And that routine is, I go into my hotel, I drop my bags, I turn on the TV, because you know you feel kind of lonely when you're by yourself and there's no, no voices. And I usually have to go to the restroom because I've either been on an airplane or I've been driving. And I remember one particular night, I got to my hotel late. I, I did my routine. I dropped my stuff. I turned the TV on. I went to the bathroom. As I was walking out, I glanced at the screen and it looks like a wildlife show. And it's so peaceful. There's a waterway. There's, I think it was caribou. Was that the same thing as reindeer? I think. So there's 20, 30 of them in some sort of waterway. Um, the trees... The sun is setting. I'm probably remembering part of this the way that I want to remember it. But anyway, the point is, is it was, it looked like a very peaceful, great show to watch for a few minutes before I go to bed. So I'm, I open up my suitcase. I'm taking out my clothes. I'm getting organized. And before I knew it, I looked up, a boat comes into the, the screen and there are three men in it and they lift up their guns and pop, pop, pop. They are shooting these caribou like quickly. They're just going down, flop, 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 flop. And I'm just in horror. Now, if I had a group of people here and I asked you, would that bother you? Some of you, you might say, yes, oh my gosh, that's terrible. Some people would say, no, it's hunting. And some people would be like, well, I don't know. 
I am not anti-hunting, by the way, but I don't want to hunt and I don't want to watch it. I am, you know, a big softy when it comes to animals. Here's my point. We need to know ourselves very well and guard our eyeballs against things that we know bother us. With this one, for example, some of you would be bugged and some of you would not. Some of you could keep that show on, finish watching it, go to bed and be fine. Some of us could not. So why would I allow something into my eyeballs that I know is going to bother me? Of course, I quickly picked up the remote and I shut it off. But we, we do let things in our eyes all the time that we shouldn't. And you know what? let me interject here too. We have enough things in life that happen without our permission that when we can make a choice, we should. Okay, for example, I was speaking in Chicago this, well, just a few days ago. And on my way back to the airport, a car came around behind me, zoomed, speeding. I'm sure they were texting or something and hit a school bus. Now, I think everything was fine. He basically kind of hit the side of it and went into a ditch. So I don't think anybody was hurt. But still, I did not ask for that, but my heart was racing and it took me a while to really calm down for that. from that. We have things that happen to us. We see things that we didn't ask for. So let's be better about making good choices when we can about what we allow ourselves to see. I think about my time as a teacher. You all have seen the, the teacher movies. You know, the ones where someone goes to or a teacher goes to a third world country where the children there have never seen a, a, a pencil or hardly a person and they, they get a pencil out and they change the world, right? I could not watch those kind of teacher movies when I was a teacher. Because if you've listened to me before, you might know that my worst anxiety stemmed from my early years of teaching. So to watch something like that, all I'm going to do is fall into a dangerous trap of comparing myself, right? I'm going to be like, why can't I do that? They're like, we should be careful about what we watch, but we have to know what bothers us. Um, Let's say that you're a woman who wants family, you want to be married and have children, but you don't yet. Why would you watch something like I don't know, the, the most I, cheaper by the dozen. I'm sure, that, sure there's something else out there. Um, why would you watch that? And, and even in that movie, Cheaper by the Dozen, I have no, you can tell I don't go to many movies if the most recent movie that I can quote is Cheaper by the Dozen. But I do remember watching it and thinking what a better mom this woman was than me. Um, why do that, right? Watching things like this can put us in the comparison mode because it's really easy to be a movie mom when you are a movie mom. Guard your eyes. Don't let things in that will later cause you mental and emotional turmoil. So that's what we see. That's that's our sense of sight. Now let's talk about what we hear. I remember years ago that my husband and I went to an Earth, Wind & Fire concert with Chicago. Like they were together. We actually went twice. It was amazing. And there was a a big difference between seeing each group alone as opposed to seeing them together. I kind of remember this. They were having a great time doing something different with different people. And it really showed. And because of that, like that concert series was a huge success. And after the concert, we dug out our old CDs and we would play them time and time again. 
when we play them today, when we hear the song Old Days, and I see that Chicago guitar player um, sing a song, and, and I see Earth, Wind, and Fire's bass player who just walks all over and is super funny. So music can elicit some strong memories and make us feel happy. And then there's the flip side. During my days of anxiety, I remember one night, because I really didn't do sleepovers, but there was a particular night, I think it was in the fifth grade, and I went to try to spend the night with a friend. And in the middle of the night, I was freaking out. It was like three in the morning. I called my mom. She came and picked me up. And on our way home, okay, now this has been like 40-something years ago, on our way home, David Bowie's song, Fame, was on the radio. During my panic attack, to this day, when I hear that song, I get a little bit anxious. I don't have a panic attack, but I have never forgotten it for sure. So on the one hand, music can lift us up. On the other hand, it can bring us down. Are we making good choices? What kind of music are you listening to? If you're driving, you're late for work, you're late for a meeting, you're late for wherever, and you've got like this intense um, music on with a guitar solo, that's probably not going to make you feel calm. So music has power. It absolutely does. And I remember during the worst part of my life with panic, I found that listening to a certain type of music would would help me to sleep. So I bought this relaxation. It was actually a cassette tape at the time. And I listened to it in bed with my big old headphones. And the music was accompanied by a woman who walked me through progressive muscle relaxation. I think at this point in 2019, most of us know that you can do this kind of thing. And I felt this, the distress part of me departed while I was listening. Every night I would use it. Be very selective when you choose something to listen to because you want to find something that makes you relax and not think. So there might be lots of music out there that you like, but it may not be appropriate to help you relax and sleep. Having a voice on it coaching you should help because what happens when you have the music and the voice it, it keeps your mind from drifting to other things. It causes you to focus just on that. So find one today. And I'm not trying to sell you on this, by the way, but I do want to tell you that it changed me so much that several years ago, I actually recorded one. So I'll put the link in the show notes. I just recently started selling it again, and I recorded it with a man named Brent Rowan. And I'll put his bio link in the show notes as well. He is a very well-known studio musician here in Nashville. So listening to something like this helped me more than anything else during my years of panic. But music isn't the only thing that affects us. We also have conversations with people. We are communicators and it's an important part of our lives. So who are you talking to? Who are you listening to? What are you saying? What are they saying? I am talking to you today in part because of something someone said to me because of words, because of something I heard, because of something that came in my ears. Years ago, I used to train new teacher mentors on how to help beginning teachers. And during that training, I would tell my story of my battle with anxiety. And usually someone would come up and talk to me afterwards, um, telling me their story of what they were going through. And this particular time, a woman came up to me She thanked me for my session and she told me that I really had a way of speaking to a group and that I was warm and sincere and my story really helped. And it was really then that I knew that God was leading me in a new direction. It was her words 
that impacted me in a monumental way. So some conversations, you hear them, right? They come in your ears and they, they leave you feeling so empowered. Like you can take on the world, you can achieve your dreams, you can help people. Then there are the conversations that leave you feeling less than confident. So what do you do about friends that gossip or that have a lot of negativity? Because I know, I believe most of you want to be good friends. And sometimes your friends are going through difficult circumstances and there might be some negativity for a time. Mainly what I mean here are people who often have negative things to say. I don't want to say always. I think I've said this before. Using the words always and never are too extreme and usually aren't true. So I'll just say they often have negative things to say. People whose phone calls you dread. Are you obliged to listen? Well, what I want to say is limit your time. Guard your ears. You don't necessarily have to cast them out of your life. Just set limits. It's not your responsibility to save the world. You're trying to heal your own mind and emotions. And so try to surround yourself as much as you can with positive people. Okay, so conversations, guard your ears. I believe that you can create your own Garden of Eden with sounds. All those nature sounds that you see in the stores and CDs and fountains and bird songs and ocean waves. And it's great to have those products indoors, but just like the umbrella rain, try to occasionally venture out into the great outdoors. Um, We constantly try to imitate what God has already given us, and often it's right out our own back doors. So listen, get out there, and guard yourself. Okay, guard yourself. Stay away from negative music, um, negative words as much as you can, negative television. Look at ways to calm your fears. Because, okay, as I said earlier, most of the events that lead us to some mental and emotional turmoil are from things that have come in through our eyes and through our ears. But your other three senses can help you create that own little Garden of Eden. So let's go there. Let's talk about what we smell. So I guess it's time now to address the title of the podcast, I Love Tar. So why, or the smell of tar. Why do I love the smell of tar? When I was 16 years old, my dad took me on a cruise. Now, my dad was in the country music business basically his entire career, and he sang on cruise ships. So when I was 16, he said, do you want to come on a cruise with me? Yes, I want to come on a cruise with you. So I went and actually had my birthday on the cruise. It was amazing. And another amazing thing about it that I didn't think was amazing at the time, I was afraid to fly, which is kind of hilarious because I fly all the time now and I love it. But then I was afraid to fly. So to, to get to the cruise ship, I traveled with my dad and his band in their van. And I have really good memories of that too. So the tar thing, the ship, when, when we got there and got ready to board the ship, they were cleaning it and the stuff they like wiping, when I say cleaning it, big, huge, I don't know, sponge mop things on the outside of the ship and whatever they were using smelled like tar. So to this day, and it's been, gosh, almost 40 years ago, when I smell tar, I am in the tropics. I'm on a cruise ship with the steel drums and the gentle breeze and the swimming pool and the fun. What is a, it was an amazing time. And I bet if you're listening right now, you're thinking of some weird smell that you like, please post it in the comments in the show notes. 
I want to hear about it. Maybe it's, some people will say grass. Um, I don't think that's necessarily weird. I think that's, you know, the whole smell of summer. But I want to hear your stories. So post them, please. And why? Why do these smells evoke such strong memories? Because just like I said, grass, you've probably had things happen to you before. Um, Another one for me that's not weird, pumpkin, the smell of pumpkin brings Thanksgiving to mind. Okay, it does it for me because it's my favorite holidays. And advertisers know this. Department stores start putting out Christmas candles right after Halloween so that your nose will convince you to start buying decorations. So here's the why. Here's the science geeky part of me. You have receptor cells in your nose, and these receptors actually have nerve endings that travel to two special places in your brain, the amygdala and the hippocampus. The amygdala is the part of your brain responsible primarily for your emotions, and the hippocampus controls the consolidation of your memories. So these scents go immediately to the emotion memory centers. Your other senses don't work that way. Smell doesn't really help you to remember things, but the things that you do remember through smell will elicit more emotions. So at any given time, if you're going to feel an emotion, anything from love to fear and all that comes in between, why not feel a positive one? And since smells are so effective at producing feelings, why not use them to your advantage? I really do believe that that God originally intended for us to live in this Garden of Eden surrounded by essential aromatic oils of plants. So let me just say a word, a little more science stuff, and then, then we'll move on. I want you to know the difference in the types of oils that come from plants. Plants produce two types of oils. Those that are like fatty oils and they're not aromatic or smelly. These are vegetable oils, things that you buy at the store to cook with. And then the second type are those that are aromatic or fragrant, and we call those essential oils. They're pretty common today, so you can buy them pretty much anywhere. There's things like lavender and eucalyptus and peppermint and cinnamon and sandalwood and clove. So you've probably heard of them, but you might not really understand that they have healing properties. And they do that because they're so small, they can actually penetrate into your brain and have effects. They can travel to your emotion memory centers that we just talked about. So you can inhale them, you can place them on their skin, you can use a diffuser, and they really can have emotional effects. And what you're trying to do here is to create an environment that is relaxing and peaceful. And this is one way to contribute to it. I mean, you probably have a hard time refusing walking around Cracker Barrel and smelling the Yankee candles while you wait to eat, right? So have fun with it. Try different scents. Some will calm you, some will not. And when you do discover what you like, just keep a supply on hand so you can create that environment anytime you like. Now let's move on to what we taste because that's really closely tied with your sense of smell. So why should we be concerned about what we eat? First of all, we get enjoyment from eating. Um, There was a study way back, you probably know this, Uh, the the particular one I'm citing is by Emory University, and it showed that rituals like family mealtimes help the functioning of our nervous system and, and mediate the effects of challenging events in our lives. We are social by nature and we enjoy being together. So eating is associated with that togetherness that we crave. Flavors make a difference. Flavors can make you happy, can lift you up. Part of it is because it is connected to smell. But I remember I never drank coffee till I met my husband. And he introduced me 
to just the occasional wonderfulness that is the yummy morning coffee. And then I discovered raspberry white mocha at Starbucks. So I bought all the parts and while I was teaching on my way to school, I would make me um, a little cup of this raspberry white mocha with the lid. You know, what am I trying to say? A thermos. And I would take it to school and put it in a little space that was connected to my classroom. And every once in a while, I would just sneak in there and I would take a sip and it would make me feel so happy. It was warm and sweet and it would make me forget about anything that was going on during the day. It was wonderful. It would also remind me of the 30 minutes in the morning that my husband and I would just get our coffee and sit in bed and watch the news. So find something that's special to you. Incorporate it into your day. It's always nice to have something to look forward to, something to lift your spirits. Of course, we do have to be careful. Another component to taste is what we should be eating, what we should be avoiding. I'm not an expert on diet. So all I'm going to say here is I I think that you probably know some simple common sense guidelines. And I really find it hard to believe that in 2019, with all we know, that most of us don't have an idea of what we should and shouldn't eat. So the best advice is probably eat a healthy diet that includes a variety of foods, plenty of water, and avoid things that make you feel bad. I know, isn't that the most eye-opening advice you've ever had? And the last sense, what we touch. A lot of us have a thing. I'm doing air quotes about how stuff feels. Uh, my husband has always made fun of me because when we walk through like Bed Bath & Beyond, I have to reach out and touch every towel and blanket. And sometimes I'm like, ooh, ah. And then sometimes it's, I jerk my hand back as if I've just been burned because it's blah, however it feels. So sense of touch is important. Again, it can lift you up. It can tear you down. I remember reading a study and she studied infants in an overcrowded Romanian orphanage. And the babies in the centers They would lie unattended for hours at a time. And her conclusion from her study was the lack of touching and attention stunted their growth and adversely affected their behavior. I was like, oh, that is so sad. Now, they did show improvement when they were placed with caregivers in like a one to four ratios and they were rocked and cuddled and played with. But what about us as adults? I mean, we're already grown. We don't need to grow anymore. Does touch matter? Yes, Another study that was in the Geriatric Nursing Journal um, studied older institutionalized women, and they concluded that caring touch significantly significantly improved the women's perception of their self-esteem, well-being, health status, life satisfaction, and faith. So it matters. So what kinds of stimuli might be therapeutic? And when we say, when I say sense of touch, I really mean any feeling experienced by way of the skin. It can be the warmth of the sun, the feel of the breeze. It can be a hug, the silkiness of lotion, the cool feeling of clean bed sheets. It can be a massage. Different sensations will be relaxing for different people. For example, not everybody loves a massage. I know you can't believe it, at least me, and it is very disappointing. I have tried over and over, but massage just doesn't work for me. For me, the most relaxing experience that I can have through my skin is to be warm. The one thing that can put me in a bad mood in an instant, besides being hungry, is being cold. So even as I wrote some notes down for this, I had a a heater blowing on me and it was pretty warm outside. I've put a picture in the show notes of my desk 
because it has become one of my favorite spots in the whole house because I've made it into my own little haven. It's relaxing. It's inviting. I'm looking out into the woods. The sun streams in in the afternoon or I can open the window for a breeze. My babies, my dogs, can lie beside me and sometimes they have like a tiny snore or a sigh, which I find kind of comforting. We have an oil diffuser. I love it. And I realize not everyone can work this way. I mean, if you don't work at home, I understand that. But do your best to create an environment that gives you the most joy that you can find in your day. So that's what I had for you today. I hope from this point forward, you will be the guardian of your senses. You will decide what to let in and what to keep out of your eyes in the way of television, etc. You will decide what to let in and what to keep out of your ears by way of words and music and sounds. And that you will use your senses of smell, taste, and touch to create your own version of Eden every single day. So I hope you learned something and that you'll pass the show link along to a friend or two. You can find the show notes and get information if you'd like me to speak at your next event at TammyWest.com. The monthly drawing will still come from leaving a comment on the blog. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and to others, and make positive mental and emotional choices every day of your life. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.